Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our scripture reading today comes from John twenty nineteen to 28. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. morning. Well, it is the Sunday after Easter, and I thought about titling this sermon Easter Aftermath to be a callback to my sermon the Sunday after Christmas, Christmas Aftermath, but then I was like, that's pretty, that's a pretty deep cut. I don't think anyone but me would get it. Uh, So instead, I wanted to start this sermon off with an experiment. I'm going to show you pictures, and then I'm going to have you take a poll after you look at the pictures. Now, what you're supposed to do is look at the picture and see the first thing you see. Nothing else. Just whatever the first thing you see is, and then I'll ask you to raise your hand if it was this thing or that thing. Okay? Everyone with me? Let's go. First picture. Mm Mm-hmm. Now raise your hand if you see an older woman looking down this way. Okay. And now raise your hand if you see a younger woman looking over her right shoulder. Mm. Do you each see the other way now, though? Perfect. Good, good, good. Second picture. Raise your hand if you see a duck. Oh, goodness. Raise your hand if you see a rabbit. Okay. Do you see the rabbit now if you saw the duck and the duck if you saw the rabbit? All right, good, good, good. Last photo. Hit me, James. Raise your hand if you see a swan. And now raise your hand if you see a squirrel. All right. And you guys can see each other's point of view now? Wonderful. Thank you, James. You're my Vanna White. When you first see these pictures, you see them one way, you see one thing. But once the other part is revealed, you can see it both ways. I audibly heard, like, oh's happen. Uh, You see the picture in a whole new light, a whole new way. This is also true with people. 
Let me tell you a story. When I was in third grade, my family moved from Lansing, Michigan to Belleville, Michigan. Uh, now, if you don't know where Belleville, Michigan is, it's in the metro Detroit area, but it's actually almost exactly in between Detroit and Ann Arbor. Um, at that point, we started to attend a church that my parents still attend today. Uh, at that church, I met a lot of great people and made a lot of amazing friends, but I want to tell you about one in particular. This young man's name was Dave, and Dave was two grades below me, um, so I didn't really have Sunday school with him very often. But it was a small church, so I would see him around a lot. I liked Dave because he was a funny little kid. Uh, he had a twin brother who was also funny, but in a weirder way. Um, <laughs> He had an older brother who was in my grade, but the real reason I liked Dave was because he had an older sister who I had a massive crush on. <laughs> so I was like, if I'm friends with Dave, I'll get to hang out with Liz, <laughs> which was her name. <laughs> now we're gonna skip forward about nine years to my senior year in high school. That year, our high school uh, mission trip was to New York State and we went to a place called Hat Camp. Now, I'm not exactly sure what Hat Camp stands for. I know it's an acronym, but it was so long ago, I totally forgot. Um, the camp was a camp for people who had physical or mental disabilities. And throughout the week, we would be paired up with a buddy. And what we would do is we would help our buddy eat, we would help our buddy clean up, we would help our buddy play games. It was an amazing week, and our whole group loved it. Um, but on the very last night of the mission trip, Dave wanted to talk to me or I wanted to talk to him. I can't remember how it started. I'm not 100% sure on how this next thing started either, but eventually we both were sobbing uh, alone, just talking and crying. Uh, we were sharing our souls and sharing our doubts about life and faith and many other things. And this was the first time in a long time that I had cried that much, especially in front of another high schooler, because that was so not cool. We brought our concerns and our worries to my sister, who was actually leading the trip that year, and she helped calm us down. Now, in 2018, I don't fully remember all of the reasons that we had that breakdown, nor do I remember why we found solace in each other. We both had better friends on the trip, and as you already heard, I had family on the trip. We weren't that kind of close. But for some reason, in that moment, we chose to be. Today, Dave is one of my best friends. He's going to be standing in my wedding, and he's going to be right behind my sister, who is actually my best man. And if it weren't for her, he would probably hold that honor with one of my other best friends. When I look back at our relationship, I know that we've known each other for a longer time than this, but I honestly feel like that moment on that mission trip was when our friendship really began. Like for nine years or so, I had been looking at Dave, but not really seeing him. It wasn't until we were vulnerable with one another that I truly saw the person he was. This is just like Thomas in our scripture today. He had trouble seeing Jesus. 
In fact, throughout the entire Gospel of John after the resurrection, people seem to have trouble seeing Jesus. Mary didn't recognize him at the tomb. The disciples didn't recognize him at first. Thomas didn't recognize him at first. And in the very next chapter of John, the disciples again do not recognize him as the man on the beach as they are trying to fish. And just like these individuals in John, sometimes I have trouble seeing Jesus. I don't see Jesus in people who hurt me. I have trouble seeing Jesus in people who disagree with me socially or morally. I have trouble seeing Jesus in my brothers and sisters experiencing homelessness and others that make me feel temporarily uncomfortable about my success in life. I can't see Jesus when I'm in the car and people are driving like a bunch of names that I would never ever use in any setting. Those who hurt me, those who I perceive may hurt me, those who are different than what I'm used to, those who call into question the view, the view I have of what is normal, those who are more wealthy than me, those who are less wealthy than me, those who I am angry at, those who I am disappointed in. I have trouble seeing Jesus in all of these people at one time or another. What about you? Are you like me? Do you sometimes have trouble seeing Jesus in others? Well, amazingly, this Doubting Thomas story became new for me this year. I've always read it with verse 29 in mind, which we didn't read today. Blessed are those who have not seen and have come to believe. The story of Doubting Thomas is all about how we need to believe even though we haven't seen. Growing up, I remember hearing, don't be a doubting Thomas. It was one of the first stories I learned. Jesus came back from the dead, and this dude didn't even believe it. Can you believe that? What a jerk. And that's why I left that verse out this time. When I looked at this story without that part, something new stood out to me. Jesus appeared to the disciples said, peace be with you, and then showed, him, showed them his hands and side, and then the disciples rejoiced in seeing him. Thomas didn't believe, so Jesus came again and did the same thing. He said, peace be with you, and showed him his hands and side, and then Thomas felt his hands and side, and that is when Thomas saw Jesus. They were looking at him. Thomas was looking at him, directly at him, but he didn't see him. So what's so important about Jesus' hands and side? Well, that's where his wounds would have been. Hands pierced by nails, side sliced by a spear. The disciples didn't see Jesus until they saw his wounds. Now stay with me here, because you need to see what I'm saying. They were looking at a man a man they did not recognize. And once that man showed them his wounds, they saw Jesus. There are few things on this earth that connect us, that are truly, truly universal. But pain, suffering, wounds, those are some of them. We have all known what it is to lose. We have all known what it is to feel pain, to have a wound. 
I don't see that person who cut me off in traffic as a person. I see them as a jerk who thinks they are more important than everybody else on the road. But if I could see that person's pain, if I saw their wounds, then suddenly I could see Jesus. Now, simply seeing each other's wounds isn't enough for some people. It isn't enough sometimes. You can show me your wounds all day, but I still might not see Jesus in you. Sometimes I need to feel those wounds. Thomas didn't just see Jesus' wounds. He felt them. He felt how deep the cuts were, how inflamed the skin must have been, how much hurt had to have happened to create wounds like that. That's when Thomas saw Jesus. There are wounds that words do not do justice, suffering that is too terrible to name, and in those moments, sometimes all we can do is feel those wounds too. And that's when we'll see Jesus. Instead of the person who was in front of us a moment ago, we will see the holy in them. It's when we feel each other's wounds that we see each other, that we truly see God in each other. This story isn't about belief alone for me anymore. It's no longer about trying to eliminate all doubts in my heart. The story is about how we can see Jesus. The story is a roadmap to seeing Jesus in everyone, in anyone. Now, the big question is how? How am I supposed to see Jesus, especially with those who I have have trouble with? Because it's not like I can say, show me your wounds. I'm having trouble seeing Jesus in you. (laughs) Well, showing your wounds is vulnerable. And I'm a big proponent of vulnerability begets vulnerability. So we must first show our own wounds. We must be willing to say, here I am. This, this is me. All of my bumps and my bruises, all of my curves and edges, all of my wounds. And through that, others may be comfortable enough to show their wounds too. This has to be a two-way door Because once a door is opened, it can be crossed through from either side. To see Jesus in others, we must first see their wounds. But to see their wounds, we must first be willing to share our own. And this is not an easy thing. It's not a simple task that you can just knock out on a random Tuesday evening. This is something that takes time. It takes practice and a huge, huge amount of courage. I fail more than I succeed at this. And I am often emotionally exhausted afterwards. But I do believe that this is not only something that we should do, but it is something that we are called to do. There are people in this world who feel disconnected, who feel alone, forgotten, like no one understands. What if a place existed that said, hey, We are all wounded and working on it. We are all struggling, but we're struggling together. You can come be a part of this. We will treat your wounds with care. 
We will not prod and poke them. We understand what it is like to be wounded, and we don't want to cause any further pain. We are a broken people who find wholeness in each other. Here, you can be you, and you don't have to pretend to be anything else. You don't have to pretend that you have it all together and slap a smile on your face. We are all broken. See, our hands, our side, we've all been wounded. That place should be the church. Of all the places that I can think of, above all other places, that place should be the church. We should be a place where the world's wounded come to feel like they're not alone. When they walk through those doors, they see Jesus. Not because we have it all together. Not because we are so holy. Not because we have such a polished pastoral sermon or music or prayers. But because we say, here, look, our hands, our side, We are broken and wounded too. This is something that we can be. We can choose to be vulnerable. We can choose to show our brokenness. And I understand that when you choose those things, you are opening yourself up to ridicule, to rejection, to abandonment. Some people might even take that opportunity to verbally crucify you. But there is something so powerful about being real, so connective, so holy. Our inspiration in this endeavor has to be Jesus. He showed his wounds to the very people who abandoned him. He showed his wounds to those who didn't believe in him. We must have that same courage We must work to be vulnerable with one another, knowing that there will be times that others will hurt us. But we press on, knowing that connectivity comes through vulnerability. Let us be the church where people come to be themselves. Let us be the church that people seek out when they feel lost and broken. Let us be the church that shows our wounds to the world so that they can see Jesus. Let us be the church that sees other wounds and recognizes Jesus in them. Let us be the church where the broken, the wounded, the disheveled, the lonely, the lost, the confused, the hurt can come and be told that they are valuable, desired, and welcome. Let us be this way, now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.